Good morning and welcome to China Takes Over the World. I am Ying Ma. Relations between China and Japan have been conspicuously strained in recent years over territorial disputes and historical grievance issues. Nationalism in both countries has fanned the flames of hostility and made conflicts appear much more intractable. To discuss these issues and the views of the Japanese right, we are pleased to have with us this morning Philip Lipsy, assistant professor in the political science department at Stanford University. Phil,、uh, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. Well, you argue in a recent piece for Al Jazeera America that the rise of China has coincided with the rise of the Japanese right.、Um, how does I guess to to just uh, uh, lay the、um, uh, groundwork a bit? How does the Japanese right view China or Japan's role in the world differently、um, than the rest of、uh, the Japanese body politic? That's a that's a great question.、Um, I think there is a common anxiety about the rise of China、uh, across Japanese society,、um, and I wouldn't say that that's exclusive to the Japanese right.、Um, but the Japanese right certainly、uh, views this as something、uh, necessitating、uh, perhaps a more muscular. Uh, Response uh, and, in particular,、uh, beefing up Japan's military capabilities uh, to uh, not necessarily counteract、um, Chinese military spending because、uh, Japan's ability to do so is quite limited,、uh, but to、uh, put together sufficient capability、uh, to deter. Uh, specific actions, for example, a takeover of disputed islands.、Um, but ultimately, I think、um, politicians on both sides of the spectrum in Japan view、uh, the alliance with the United States as the. Uh, bedrock of securities.、So、I don't think on that there's much difference in、mm-hmm. opinion. But the right has enjoyed growing popularity in recent years. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I think that's true,、um, but. I, I would say that most of the increase in popularity comes from uh, uh, factors that are not directly related to conservative ideology.、Uh, so, so the first big factor is the failure of the Democratic Party of Japan, the DPJ,、uh, which held government、uh, until uh, 2012. And you know they were kind of a middle left party, and、uh, their government is widely seen as a failure, and so that、uh, left the conservatives to,、uh, or that allowed them to come back to power. And I would say the other issue is、uh, the economic performance under Abe、uh, so far. So the conservative party, the LDP, has been very successful in. Reinvigorating the Japanese economy, and I think that has a lot to do with their current popularity. Well,、um, last year, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe、uh, appeared to walk back a previous apology issued by Japan for its World War II aggression, and he said the definitions of aggression and invasion were not totally clear. And he has also claimed that there is no. Evidence that so-called comfort women,、um, some two hundred thousand sex slaves, many from South,、uh, from China and Korea,、um, he has said that there is no evidence that they were mer- made to serve Japanese soldiers during the war、um, against their will. So,、um, 
one can't quite imagine Chancellor Angela Merkel of Germany saying anything remotely similar about German involvement in World War II. First, let me ask you, do Prime Minister Abe's statements raise many eyebrows in Japan, or does he get a fair amount of support for it? Yeah, um, I, I would say a couple of things. I think uh, Abe's uh, remarks have tended to be more careful than those of some of his advisors and uh, subordinates within his party. And I think that's in recognition of the fact that these types of remarks can cause quite a bit of uh, harm to Japan's national interests. And in, in, rec- in recent months, um, I think Abe and Suga uh, have been much more cautious uh, in dealing with historical issues, uh, comfort women, as well as uh, other aspects of Japan's involvement in World War II. Um, and I think uh, among the Japanese public, um, you know, the consensus view would tend towards uh, pragm- pragmatism. That is, you know, there, there isn't a lot of interest in revisiting these historical issues. There is a very vocal minority uh, that sees these historical issues as important. And, uh, you know, arguably Abe uh, is uh, part of that minority, but at least as prime minister, uh, he's moderated his stance. And that has to do with the realities of Japan's geopolitical position and, and certainly U.S. pressure. Uh, but I, I would say that within Japan, it's not the case that this kind of perspective receives a lot of public support. So even though China finds many of Prime Minister Abe's comments to be infuriating, (laughs) you're saying that he's actually more moderate compared to others in his party, as well as those who are close to him. So so Beijing presumably would be even angrier. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily more moderate. Uh, You know, his his personal views may very well be, uh, you know, on, on, on the far right side of the spectrum. But, uh, you know, as prime minister, I think he's uh, done, uh, you know, uh, or he's, he's put some effort into uh, moderating those views in terms of official Japanese government policy. Um, and, and I think that's in recognition of uh, not only U.S. pressure, but also uh, what's going on in China and Korea as well. So um, although I think he is very ideological. Uh, there, there's also a side of Abe that's quite pragmatic. Is, is there any pressure from within Japan for him to moderate his views? I, I would say uh, there, there is pressure, but it's not the kind of pressure uh, that is likely to force uh, Abe to actually change his uh, perspective or his statements. Uh, I, I think the most important form of pressure is coming from the United States. Um, you know, uh, the U.S. ambassador uh, to Japan, Carolyn Kennedy, uh, very famously uh, expressed disappointment over Abe's visit to Yasukuni Shrine, and that uh, raised quite a bit of consternation uh, within Japan that um, Abe was perhaps harming U.S.-Japan relations by uh, visiting the shrine. And so I think that particular form of pressure is is the uh, the most important factor and of course the the u.s u.s pressure works through uh, the domestic domestic channel 
but I, I think most people are concerned about uh, what, what happens uh, if Abe does something that harms U.S.-Japan relations. That's the most uh, potentially damaging thing for Abe. Um, well, China sees uh, the Japanese right as embodying historical amnesia or even denial about J- Japan's wartime um, aggression. And in many ways, South Korea shares China's historical grievances on this front, and relations between Seoul and Tokyo have soured significantly due to these issues as well. So even if um, people in Japan or, or Prime Minister Abe is not all that interested in, in China's sensitivities, does the government, um, does the Abe government care about offending South Korea? And, you know, and, and what does it think of the effect that perhaps his some of his rhetoric and his action had on relations with Seoul? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, they, in my view, they should care. Uh, but, uh, you know, as, as far as I can see, and, and, you know, based on my conversations with various officials, it's not clear that in actual policy making that, um, you know, that's an important motivator of Japanese uh, uh, government policy. Um, you know, Japanese government policy has been responsive to uh, U.S. pressure, but uh, it doesn't appear that it's been as responsive to uh, concerns expressed in Korea and China. To some extent, um, you know, there's been lobbying by business interests, uh, you know, to try to mitigate tensions uh, between Japan and its neighbors. Uh, but if you if you look at the track record, it appears that the most important factor really is the United States and the influence that the U.S. has uh, exerted over Japan. We are speaking with Professor Philip Lipsy of Stanford University. It appears that one of the major sticking points between China and South Korea on the one hand and Japan on the other is that um, that China and South Korea both gripe about Japanese textbooks and they both say that the textbooks don't pay adequate attention or perhaps even accurately depict the atrocities committed by Japan in World War II. Uh, is there a recognition, is there sort of a widespread recognition of this issue in in the Japanese government, is there some reason why this has remained a recurring controversy? And, you know, is there some cultural or polit- political reason why the textbooks can't um, um, can't deal with history in a more head-on way? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's, it's certainly a widely recognized issue in Japan, and I, I would say it's even a domestic political issue. Uh, the, the left in Japan views the textbook issue um, in much the same way that um, China and Korea do, uh, that uh, textbooks should uh, deal with historical issues uh, more seriously. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the most controversial textbooks, uh, uh, the, the ones that gloss over uh, Japanese wartime atrocities entirely, are not widely used in the education system. So they uh, the, the main controversy comes when they get approved by the Ministry of Education, but the circulation tends to be very low. Um, and, and this is another issue, I would say, where there's a very vocal minority, uh, but an influential one uh, that seeks to uh, rewrite history and uh, you know, focus on 
Japanese nationalism uh, at the expense of uh, trying to seriously deal with uh, some of Japan's actions in World War II. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the current government uh, is, is one that would tend towards uh, uh, making this issue perhaps uh, worse rather than better. <laughs> so uh, I, I wouldn't be too optimistic uh, on, on this particular issue. Well, I mean, in, earlier in our conversation, you were saying that um, the pressure for Abe to moderate some of his more nationalist rhetoric um, and perhaps the appearance of more nationalist um, behavior, the pressure is mainly coming from the U.S. So, you know, what, what's interesting is that if, and, and I go back to the example of perhaps, you know, um, Angela Merkel in, in, in Germany or any German leader or or you know, or we could even use an example of of U.S. political leaders who may want to deny slavery or in Jim Crow, right? Oftentimes, it's the domestic constituencies that would be outraged, and then you know, and, and they tend to, um, and oftentimes they would complain about the type of rhetoric that's coming from their their respective leaders, political leaders. So, so I, I'm I'm trying to to get a sense of whether you know. Whether the textbooks, in some ways, do sort of create an environment or create circumstances where people pay a bit less attention to these issues, or do you think maybe it's just because time has gone by and the Japanese public doesn't really want to focus on these issues, no matter what? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it's it's been uh, you know over uh, uh, you know uh, sixty years now. Right. Um, since the end of World War II, and, and the, the generation that directly participated in the war is uh, increasingly dwindling. And so among young Japanese, I think there's a sense that this is, uh, you know, a, a sort of uh, ancient history, and it's not something that directly uh, involved them, and uh, they feel like, uh, you know, they should not be in a position to have to apologize for something that their grandparents uh, were involved in, so I, that, I think that attitude does exist, um, and I think, like you said, in the German case, um, they've done a much more aggressive uh, job on integrating uh, historical issues into the school curricula, so that there's widespread awareness uh, on these issues. Uh, you know, so so there's definitely uh, some lack of awareness, I would say among the general Japanese population that conservatives have taken advantage of. Uh, so because there hasn't been this established narrative uh, on Japanese World War II uh, conduct, uh, I think conservatives have been better able to uh, start to create this alternative narrative where Japan was not uh, involved in atrocities and uh, you know, even played some positive role uh, in the region. Uh, so, you know, I think both of those factors are at play. And, uh, you know, the education system is one area, certainly, where, um, you know, in, in a different uh, political environment, Japan and China and Korea ought to cooperate to try to come to some consensus on uh, textbooks so that uh, there's greater awareness. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Professor Philip Lipsy of Stanford University.
This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. We now continue our conversation with Professor Philip Lipsy of Stanford University. Do you think there is a big difference between、um, the sentiments toward China and the sentiments toward Korea? I and you know I've noticed in、um, mainly in in recent months years that. There certainly in the letters that I get or, or the comments I get online that,、um, that while you know while it, it, one is quite used to a certain amount of skepticism or hostility or or、um, or criticism from Japan about China's policies, one is also noticing a lot more criticism about Korea. And then you know in a lot of the comments I get from Twitter, for instance, there are all these Twitter users who have <laughs> right on their profile the words the hashtag hate Korea or and then you know and then. Of course, there are media sources in Japan that called the current president of, of South Korea an old maid and and other very nasty names. So I'm, I'm wondering,、um, what do, do you see increasingly more hostility from the domestic audience toward Korea as well because South Korea has taken this very tough stance against Japan on these historical issues? Yeah, yeah, I I think that's right.、Uh, you know, for for、uh, for a brief period.、Uh, You know, starting maybe about a decade ago,、uh, there was、uh, an infatuation、uh, in Japan with Korean culture.、Uh, you know, Korean television shows and pop groups, and and、uh, some of that still remains. But I, I think it's fair to say that over the past couple of years, there has been、um, a very negative shift in Japanese popular attitudes, not towards Koreans, but uh, towards uh, President、uh, Park, in particular, and、uh, you know, the, I think the media has played a, a very significant role in in this narrative that uh, she uh, personally uh, it has uh, a very negative uh, perspective on Japan, and that uh, uh, you know, to some to some degree, this is uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I suppose、uh, you know, the portrayal is that it's it's sort of a personal. Uh, vendetta, or, or something of this nature. So,、uh, yeah, I, I do sense that there's a bit of a shift,、um, but it could very well be temporary, given that I think it's directed less towards Korea, the country, and much more towards、uh, the current administration in Korea. Do you think the nationalist extremism of the Japanese right has done a disservice to Japan's foreign policy? Has it given communist China the opportunity to claim the moral high ground, particularly on a number of these historical issues? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's right.、Uh, you know, I think Japan has,、uh, you know, a set of legitimate. Geopolitical concerns、uh, regarding its national security.、Uh, you know, China's military spending、uh, is opaque and it's rising、uh, considerably. And you know, China certainly has reasons to modernize its military. But I think if you stand in the shoes of Japanese leaders,、uh, China looks like a potential threat in the long term. And so, you know, on, on those grounds, I think it's reasonable. For Japan to, for example, increase its military spending and acquire、uh, modern weaponry and so forth,、uh, but coupling those moves with this historical revisionist narrative that uh, glorifies uh, Japan's role in World War II、uh, really weakens Japan's 
uh, geopolitical position uh, because instead of framing uh, this geopolitical strategy as a response to China's rise, it ends up looking much more like Japan's going back to uh, militarism and nationalism that uh, nobody really, uh, you know, has favorable views of except, uh, you know, perhaps the, the, the conservative fringe in Japan. And so I, I absolutely think that it's, it's not only uh, bad uh, policy in terms of domestic politics, but it also harms Japan internationally as well. Right. And as you mentioned earlier, the U.S. has been quite critical and the U.S. has also been trying very hard to get its two allies in East Asia, South Korea and Japan to 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 get along better. But it doesn't appear that President Park from South Korea is all that keen on the idea at the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So do you see any movement within Japan at this point to get a um, get away from the right's rhetoric and views about history? Um. It's, it's difficult to say. I, I think some of this has to do with uh, the LDP being in power. Um, you, know, I, you know, some of this is not new, right? The, the conservatives in Japan have, uh, you know, for many years held uh, revisionist views towards history. And, uh, you know, if the LDP uh, weakens and falls from power, that could change very quickly. Um, but you know, the, at least at the moment, um, it, it's it's hard to see a political shift uh, away from that uh, in the immediate future. Uh, you know, but but all of that said, I, I think even Abe has moderated his positions on these issues considerably, and partly that's in response to U.S. pressure, but I think it's also partly in response to Japan's geopolitical position. Uh, Japan uh, needs the United States, but Japan needs to maintain good relations with China and Korea. And eventually, I think uh, the government of Japan will move in a direction uh, that ought to be helpful. Um, And so even though this type of conservative thinking uh, will always be there, uh, I think in terms of Japanese government policy, uh, maybe it'll gradually uh, move away from that, or I, at least I hope so. Well, what about Japan's um, disputes with South Korea on mm-hmm. the islands in the on, in the East China Sea? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've heard a lot about the disputes that Japan has with China, right? Um, and the U.S. has um, also indicated that it, it, it that that the U.S.-Japan alliance applies to those Daoyu-Senkaku islands. But we've, we've heard a, a, a less about the dis- island disputes with South Korea um, 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 that Japan has with South Korea. Do you see those disputes as a, a manifestation of, of nationalist, nationalist sentiments, or do you see them as Japan's... Um, um, expression of its strategic interest, its you know claim to sovereignty, because um, certainly South Korea doesn't threaten Japan's national security in in any way, um, no. and and not in any way that Japan claims China does. So um, so how do these island disputes with South Korea kind of play out in 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 domestic Japanese um, politics? Yeah, I mean all of these island disputes, um, you know, are remnants of. Uh, the the San Francisco treaty negotiation process in the 1940s, where 
uh, in the 1950s, where the disposition of these disputes were left uh, ambiguous. Um, and, uh, you know, some of that responsibility is, uh, you know, on, on, on the shoulders of the United States. Um, you know, if there had been a more clear resolution at that stage, uh, some of these disputes uh, would not exist today. Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, on, you know, the, the Senkaku Dayu as well as the Takeshima Dokuto disputes, both sides have uh, legitimate historical claims. Uh, and, uh, you know, based on international law, it's difficult to sort out which claims are stronger. Now, if you take those cases to the International Court of Justice, uh, there would be a ruling one way or the other. Uh, but it, it's really hard to say based on the merits uh, which country is in the right or the wrong. Uh, you know, there, there ought to be uh, a greater willingness uh, to negotiate uh, some sort of settlement. And on, on the Korean dispute, um, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult, in, in my judgment, uh, for uh, Japan to reclaim those islands. Uh, Korea has exercised effective control over them uh, for decades. And so based on customary international law, uh, I, I believe uh, Japan would be hard-pressed to uh, reclaim those islands through uh, the international legal process, or uh, obviously it's not going to happen through military means. Uh, so from a diplomatic standpoint, to me, that dispute looks like one where uh, Japan ought to uh, consider conceding. Uh, <laughs> it looks like a real loser, right? <laughs> it, it, it seems that way, right? And, um, and, and, and I'm not the only one who looks at it this way. I've, I've heard several uh, Japanese um, uh, policymakers in private express the view that perhaps uh, resolving the dispute with Korea would be one way to focus international attention on the dispute with China, and uh, you know, rather than making it look like Japan's territorial disputes, that way they could focus attention on uh, China's rise and uh, the geopolitical implication of China's rise. But that's a, these are very sensitive domestic political issues. So. Uh, you know, I, I doubt that that uh, outcome is going to happen anytime soon. Well, we've been speaking with Professor Philip Lipsy of Stanford University. Phil, thank you very much. Absolutely. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma.